Hello, today is Friday, January the 26th, and you're listening to the Greens Matter Chatter podcast presented by Northcore Greens. I'm your host, Dolores Foster. I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Jeffrey Guy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody. It's great to have you here, Dolores. What's this, two weeks in a row now you've been here? Oh, well, Jeffrey, hush, hush. Maybe it's three. Been, it's been a month. Come maybe, on. Maybe three. Maybe three. <laughs> now, last weekend we announced that we were having a special guest, so why don't you introduce our special guest here, Jeff? And I might even add a one of our ardent followers even uh, text me and who would our special guest be and he even guessed it's the one and only paul sullivan (laughs) hello paul hello how are you today (laughs) well it's going pretty good here and uh, we appreciate you joining us uh, once again here on the podcast well great to be part of it for sure well, Paul, we uh, we had discussed, I think, last time you were on that we should uh, we should reconvene again after the harvest is done. So I guess that's what that's what this is. Well, and the harvest is almost done, isn't it? <laughs> like there's still some corn out there, some places. Uh, we did get a load of corn in today at the elevator, so there's still some people combining. And I had another farmer today. Maybe tell me about soybeans out still. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I know. That's but, uh, and uh, uh, soybeans not uh, really uh, great to have right now, but maybe there's some areas that don't have a whole lot of snow that they might get an opportunity to harvest them. But uh, yeah, I think uh, right now um, there's uh, the, the harvest is pretty well wrapped up for the most part. Um, but there's uh, ah, there's I guess every year there's some corn that. Um, is always uh, ready to, to or, or or people wait and uh, um, they store their field their corn in the, in the field um, just to make sure that uh, it's uh, kind of going to be a, something that adds to the to-do list after uh, maybe after the snow snow goes. Well, I think that's a great way of putting it. The some of them decide to store the corn in the fields, and I think some of those people this year were finding out or somewhat disappointed that the moisture hasn't come down in the corn that they've been combining would that be because they uh, planted late paul or or why is the moisture not coming down yeah i think that's the case that the uh whatever um reason could have been later planted fuller season uh corn that just uh had some stresses that held it up um it uh it, it was late um and then if we recall, we didn't have any frosts in October. We did finally get frosts, which kind of shut down growth in the corn around the first of November. And uh, what we what we have in November, we did have some dry down, but nothing like we have um, in the months earlier. When it's warmer, the drying in the corn is is more rapid, it's faster, and uh, so I think. That would be the thing that the corn was, uh, this corn that is still high moisture, just didn't get near as far and um, still had moisture in the kernels, uh, maybe didn't even reach physiological maturity, one thing or another. And uh, and you just, uh, in, in our climate, once it gets cold, once it gets probably below, um, um, I would say um, probably eight, eight degrees, to, to five to eight degrees we just uh we don't get a whole lot of air movement because we have to have heat uh we don't get a whole lot of 
moisture movement because we have to have heat to take the moisture out of it and that. So um, <clears throat> I think I know um, that becomes just a function of how how far the corn came. Some years we get a frost uh, the end of September and uh, our dry down period is uh, through October and into November. This year um, we were still growing, we were still making corn in that time period. So that was a good thing. So almost also it it wouldn't be better to have a frost say the tenth of October and then some nice warm weather after that to dry it down then. You're saying we're better off to let her keep growing and put in some some extra bushels and bushel weight in there, reach, reach the physiological maturity and then dry down. Don't worry about paying for a couple points of moisture. Get the yield. Yeah, definitely uh, that extra time and growing. Um, helped on yield so so yeah. let's let's talk about yield we're after harvest or we're kind of joking the majority of the harvest but we're after it would you have some kind of average numbers for some of the counties you look after yeah I do have some numbers on on the corn the average yield uh, for corn in uh, in Ottawa this year was uh, 203 bushels uh, that was uh, kind of 22% above uh, a, a sort of typical, um, I guess, uh, 10-year average for for those reporting. These are crop insurance numbers, um, and uh, the uh, um, Lanark were they came in at 196 bushel per acre. They were actually 29% above their uh, uh, long-term average. The provincial average in crop insurance this year was reported at 198, um, which was 11% above uh, above normal. Um, uh, so Lanark County was two bushels off the provincial average. Yeah. I'd say the farmers in Lanark County be pretty proud of that. You know, they should the, be. They did a great job this year. Those they are rolled pretty, with the uh, weather and, and made, made uh, um, just when you start to get 30% above a, an average yield, that's uh, that's incredible. Yeah, those are some pretty impressive numbers. What about, uh, so the yield was there, what a, from, from well, what you saw, what, how was the quality of the of the corn crop? Oh, quality of the corn crop, um, well, I, I guess uh, we had um, probably uh, um, decent quality. Um, I, I'll kind of throw it back to you guys. Like you guys see the corn, you you grade the corn. What uh, what did you see overall as far as uh, as corn quality goes? I would say just about that. It was it was a good crop. I can't say it was. I can't say all of the yield or all of the uh, test weights were off the charts, but I would yep. say pretty much all of them were grade two. So yeah, it was good, pretty consistent. We didn't have the off the chart ones and uh, lower ones were sometimes for farmers were kind of field specific and then they'd get into the next field and they'd get out of them like the grade threes and that. So just we get, get back to average yields. Would you have anything for up Renfrew way, uh, Paul, or the numbers yeah, for them? Yeah, I do. The, the numbers for Renfrew are 160 bushel is what they had up there. And they were 22% above long-term average too. So uh, they... Uh, came in with some a pretty solid crop of uh, of corn this year yeah no that sounds good sounds good well i know right down in this area i think we would be right up there with that ottawa number i would 
have to thank Aiden Wars. Yep, no, I think uh, most guys that... Oh, I guess uh, we are in Ottawa. We dealt with were pretty much... <laughs> we are in Ottawa, yes. I always forget that, that we're part of Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, right on the so- southern border here, so... That's right, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I'm, I'm uh, thinking after the last three years, we continue to have saw cornfields uh, climb. Um, and uh, now the thing is to, to, to try to keep, uh, keep them climbing into next year. So, in thinking that way, have you, did you see any real big uh, hits this year on any specific things that people did, be it a uh, split application event coming in with drop nozzles or something, or fungicide on the corn, anything that was real pretty steady payback that you saw in some fields? Well, I think... Um, de- definitely population was key this year um, because like pollination and, and actually cob size was, was higher this year. If a hybrid had the groceries, had the water supply and capacity and had the population in those parts of fields, uh, it, it really ended up producing yield. Um, we uh, saw consistent yield across fields where we did some variable rate seeding rates where the higher drier parts of the fields we, we pulled back population and uh, for uh, every year even this year there was kind of a period of time early on when it was dry and if it gets dry and the crop runs out of uh, uh, moisture is under some moisture stress it won't get the, the uptake of nutrients that are there so even with this year where for the most part we were we were pretty good for moisture particularly in july and august we did see an advantage to pulling populations back where moisture supply was uh, was limiting and uh, <clears throat> keeping populations up like if you had a nice uniform field like along eagleton road where there's <clears throat> lots of <clears throat> moisture and, and supply that's that's there or parts um, <clears throat> parts of north core um, then um, those extra cobs turned into extra yield. Yep, sounds great. So without getting in too many specifics, what about uh, fungicide applications this year? General we, thought. Yeah, we, we saw we saw an advantage to fungicide this year <clears throat> locally. We we uh, sort of the, <clears throat> we weighed off uh, field uh, <clears throat> beside our house that ended up with a, an extra thirteen bushel per acre. Uh, some of the uh, feedback we have from folks that had fungicide applied on their corn, uh, they they had heavier heavier corn had heavier kernels. The corn finished uh, um, and and just added to the yield. So we didn't see the big yield additions that uh, were there in Western Ontario, where um, they've documented cases of, of of maybe 40 bushel per acre. We had a good solid, a good solid response, and I think two reasons why we had that spell of weather in September, a couple of weeks there, where it was uh, sunny, it was warm, and the corn that had the fungicide was just able to grow and <clears throat> grow healthier and grow grow longer. Yeah, I was just thinking that how we, a lot of people have said in the past, you spray fungicide, you keep your corn greener longer. 
some people were worried it was more susceptible to an early frost and with no early frost this year that they can't put their hat on that one at all so it just kept the corn growing as you say and pounding in the yield so that's right it kept it uh, <clears throat> um, it kept it healthier uh, for sure we didn't really have leaf disease uh, we didn't we're still not dealing with tar spot um, but uh, <clears throat> for the for the most part <clears throat> um, and 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 you guys can tell me this is like the the quality of the corn from a disease standpoint uh, uh, must have been uh, must have been not too bad. Right on there, and we know down at the end user plants they are testing for uh, vomitoxin levels, and we're knock on wood once again. Eastern Ontario is generally pretty free of it, and that's uh, that's a great thing for our area. So. It is, yeah, definitely for sure definitely yep. a big thing well it's great to hear the uh you know the we knew the yield was strong but you got a few specifics i think we'll uh we should get into maybe another podcast getting in some real recommendations and that for farmers going into spring and things they should be looking for and stuff you know we have talked in the past about soybean yields and maybe they they were a little more varied than the corn yields i think is that is you agree with that one, or that that would be a, a correct statement. Um, our soybean yields in Ottawa Carlton this year were 53, and uh, when we got to the south, uh, they were 50, uh, 50, 56 and a half. And I think that relates to weather. I think uh, we typically had more moisture in July and August, and uh, we had uh, big canopies that ended up with uh, <clears throat> parts of fields that uh, had some white mold. Um, even when it was managed, but uh, we can uh, we can talk about white mold another time. Sounds fine. Sounds fine. Well, we appreciate you reach or uh, coming on uh, today with us, Paul. As as always, it's always nice to have you on the podcast, and um, and I'm sure uh, we'll have you back here sh- before we get into the planting season. Most definitely, well, that would be great. Uh, really. Uh, really uh enjoy the opportunity and uh thanks again for having me so jeffrey why don't we uh do a quick market update here and then uh, next week we can get uh, back into our full uh market update mm-hmm. from uh another part of the world oh, i i can always be quick here let's see uh-huh. corn prices for the week uh basically flat soybeans down a couple dollars sold crop next year's harvest Spring wheat down $3 here. Winter wheat was the start. It was up like $3 for this week. Uh, kind of laugh. It was up $3 this week, $6 last week, but it was down $7 the week before. So the markets aren't really doing anything. The trend is still down. Uh, wheat prices jumped up some. And that, uh, no real reasons. No real reasons anything's going on here. The uh, one of the things that did happen this week, crude oil prices have jumped up. Uh, that's from turmoil in the Red Sea, Middle East, you know, risk premiums back into this market. We look at what's really affected prices. Wrote one day about weather in Argentina. Argentina is going to get hot and dry. Soybeans went up. Oh, wait, by the end of the week, they've, they've changed that forecast to a nice favorable growing forecast. And actually, they brought out some new yield projections for Argentina what? yesterday. Did the market actually do something about those yield projections? Oh, well, <laughs> prices went down for two days. So <laughs> they were up first of the week, up to about Wednesday, and they pulled down uh, 
Thursday and Friday, they were down like 17 cents yesterday, 14 cents today. I don't know if that just had to do with the projection yields out of Argentina, though. Maybe something else to do with managed money. Oh, yeah, managed money. They uh, So managed money, they're kind of even using that as a reason why prices were going up on Monday and Tuesday for row crops. So in saying that managed money, speculative funds have a very large short position which they're betting on prices going down. And they seem to be increasing that short position. And that pushes puts some pressure to pull down prices more. But then they said, oh, when things were rallying on Monday and Tuesday, oh, the commercial sector sees value in these levels and they're active purchasers. And that's like commercial sector being end users, being feed users, being processing plants and stuff. Oh, and they were active purchasers. That was maybe the theory. But you know, as prices pulled back, then the end of the week, they say, oh, well, maybe it's because of better yields in Argentina. Maybe it's because of better growing weather in Brazil. Really? Well, Guan, the weekly U.S. ag exports were poor last week. Ethanol production was poor. So those are negatives for the all the commodities. But the markets really, they're looking for direction been writing about all week the analysts are struggling to find things to say right now oh we think wow. it might have been up for this we think it might be down because of this but, but they have to say something jeff they can't just send out a market report and say nothing yeah <laughs> i know the feeling <laughs> <laughs> so it's they're looking for the markets are looking for direction they're they need some big news positive or negative to really drive the market so the trend still is down unfortunately but maybe we're getting closer to something we can get into that next week so thanks for tuning in thanks again to paul for joining us and hopefully you have a good weekend and next week we'll uh we'll come to you from a different part of the world we'll tell you about that next week bye for now